Hey, this is John F. Murs, author, actor, and owner of 1021 Studios, and you're listening to Citywide Blackout. Hey everyone, how's it going? And welcome back to the show. You know, this for me is a bit of a late night recording, not when I usually do this thing, but you know what? For Scott and Jack Snyder, I will make the exception because the Snyder name is fairly synonymous with all things comics. You get titles like American Vampire, Batman, Swamp Thing, but we're not going to talk about those. I don't think we are at least, but we might. You never know. Instead, we are going to be talking about their brand new series, By a Thread, three issues in of a four-issue series, the next one dropping on March 26th. Uh, you can catch the whole thing on Comixology. Uh, Scott, Jack, welcome to the show. It's great to have you both here. Thanks so much. It's so great to be here. It's great to see you again, Max. Yeah, oh. thanks so much. All right. So, you know, to kick this thing off, um, as I understand, this was a series which the two of you uh, co-created and co-wrote. And I, as I understand, this was also like your first time uh, working together, too. So uh, how did this whole uh, collaboration come about? You want me to take it or you? You can take it first. And then I'll hop in <laughs> sure. Well, he's always, I mean, like, you know, as a as a parent, you're always like, Oh, I hope the kids have some interest in in what I do or what you know what my what my wife does or any of that stuff. And really early, he's he's been a fantastic writer since um, as long as I can remember. Way better than I was at his age by far. And uh, it was about a year and a half ago, maybe almost two years ago, he came to me and and started saying, "Well, what if we just made a comic for fun together? Just sort of." Plan one out with no publisher, no, nothing like that. And I was like, okay, yeah, just come up with, you know, bring an idea and we'll make some characters and be a great summer project just to sort of, you know, do it almost in theory. And the idea he brought and uh, was so good. I felt like, you know, so inspired and excited to sit down and do it with him. And then the characters that, you know, he, he started thinking up and, and uh, the plot, all of it was just great. So it wound up becoming something that I felt comfortable at a certain point not to surprise him, but going to Comixology and sort of feeling around because I had a couple books there and saying, listen, this is something that's really coming out well. What do you guys think? And they jumped at the chance to to do it with us, and I'm very, very grateful. We've had a great experience with it. Yeah, it's just been great. I've always wanted – I've always had an interest in well, not only just like what my dad does, but just writing as a whole. I've always liked just – um talking to my dad, like talking through story ideas while we were like just – I'd like throw something to him that I thought of and we'd work it out and talk about like how to build a character for that or anything like that. But this one in specific, I came to my dad and I talked to him about it and not even like to, like my dad said, as like a for sure publishing or doing anything with it. But I like do this on my dad. He was really into it and really open to sort of building an actual story and be like, how would we start it and how would we make like actual um, issues come out of it? So uh, it was all, all my dad who, uh, sure was like organizing it and um, telling me where to go with it and stuff like that. So, Wow. So this was just thing you did just kind of um, uh, for like fun. And then you said, hey, wait a minute, we actually have like a story here. Yeah, we, we've always sort of talked through like either like stuff that my dad would be like working on. Like I'd give him feedback with stuff like that if it was whether it was Batman or whatever. Yeah, I asked him a bunch of stuff when I was doing Batman. Oh, yeah? Yeah. 
I was always, always so happy to help anything like that. <laughs> uh, this way, you got uh, you get to get that um, a sneak peek about the show or about the uh, the title and uh, what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. It was always just really um, like talking to each other about stories and stuff like that, and um, like how we'd move through a character or some type of prompt was just a normal thing for us to do. But then this one in specific, we never really wrote anything officially together. So it was great to just like get something to him and be like, you know what, this is a really good, we should, we should really do this together. And like, we should really like, it, it works well. Like, it would really, it's a blast. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so fun to do. He's a good partner. Good co-writer. <laughs> so how does that process work? Like the two of you are, are writing this comic together. Well, it, it works like, so he'll, again, like the premise, the characters, the sort of general shape of the plot, he, he really comes up with. And then, uh, like I still teach this class on um, which I love doing um, over on um, Substack. We do it almost every month, uh, and for me, one of the great joys of that is sort of trying to help uh, help people, student writers, come in with ideas and um, projects in mind, and just help kind of organize the story around some of the stuff that I've learned over the years. You know, look at it through the lens of what it's what it means to you. If it, you know, once you kind of figure that out, how to how to sort of even if you know the main character, how to sort of um, really refine them so that they become the right the right person to get you to the 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 deepest vein of story in the plot. And so I'd kind of go over it with him and say, okay, well, listen, if this story is about this, and the main character is kind of struggling with this, how do we how do we make sort of a villain out of that that really brings all those fears to life and so on. And so for me, it was fun just because it was almost like cheering somebody on, coaching a little bit. Um, but really, the great bulk, bulk of it, story-wise, character-wise, really came from him, which is, you know, was, was a lot of fun. Because, I mean, look, I was really, I'm nervous, right, going in because, uh, you know, I'm nervous for a bunch of reasons. One, like, comics, it's, if, if it, once we know it's going to get published, you know, it's, it's my, my kid has something out in the world and. And I want to make sure that it's it's really, really strong. At the same time, I don't want to take a heavy hand in something that he's doing um, and and make it mine, you know. And the joy of it was seeing it come out and being like, oh, this is already really strong. All I have to do is sort of help even less than I have sometimes with a co-writer in the past with like a professional co-writer. So it's been it's been a great, great experience in that regard. Okay. Well, Jack, this being your first uh, foray into comics, uh, what was it like for you to, of course, like not only um, work with your dad, one of like the greats in the business, but but, yeah. uh, but also just seeing this thing go from concept to finished? Well, I mean, I think I definitely have like a head start over there with just my dad being so strong with just comics as a whole and being able to write it with him. But um, really for me, it was like, it's such like just the true honor of it is finally being able to have something of mine that I'm proud of that I made from scratch with my dad, obviously out in the world. But it was really interesting to me to get the most interesting part to me was I had written stuff for a portfolio or anything like that. But I had done that before, but truly giving someone else um, like the my own work and letting them just sort of view it and getting the art back from them is just like the greatest and Valeria, like, they're just like, it's been such a pre pleasure to work with them. So, um, but the most amazing part is just being able to transform just like words on paper that I worked through and I came up with into like an actual 
like seeing my character out there, like on paper and seeing the first drawings or seeing like drawing something out, like being like a job, like writing out a page, like a full page spread of like when you, in the beginning of issue one, when it opens up and you can see like the whole world, anything like that, like just seeing that for the first time, even without any color or anything like that, just truly being like, this is an original image that I cre like I created. And it's not like, cause I always watching movies and stuff like that. It's like, you see stuff, you know, you see like in the, in the movies at a movie theater in movies, you see new stuff like that you wouldn't have seen before, but you know, someone else, it's been somewhere else, but create like putting something in the world that I came up with fully myself and that like wouldn't have been there without me and my dad working on it and stuff like that is just like so new and so awesome to me to just be able to work through the process and get stuff like that's real back and everything like that. Yeah. And for me, I mean, like one of the things that, you know, when I teach that class, the two rules of it are one, you've got to always write the story that you'd like to pick up the most that day and read. And two, you've got to try and remain the most exciting creator. Every cat that's like bugging me to pet him, um, <laughs> as they uh, do, as they do. Yeah, the most the most exciting uh, creator to yourself um, at all times. And for me, like working with new talent is one of the ways that I really feel keeps me young, you know, and and, and challenges me um, to to sort of expand my own creative boundaries. And again, like trying to write it with him and the way that he would do it is, is really eye-opening. Just the, the pacing, the, the, um, the scope, the kind of char deep character moments, all of that is wonderful to adjust to. But again, like he said, the other huge factor, two factors, but the real big, the biggest is our co-creator Valeria Favaccia, who's just a powerhouse and they're, you know, a new talent and someone coming up with a tremendous style and voice uh, and really passionate, not only about this project, but everything they work on. And they they come with story ideas also, which is great, um, a great feeling when someone's that committed to it. So um, for me personally, again, I go to work learning from them, which makes me feel um, invigorated. You know, I mean, it, it's rejuvenating to go in there and be like, oh, I know how to write Batman. I know how to do this with these artists that I've worked with a long time. But to go into a fresh territory that isn't yours, you didn't come up with it, and work with people that have different methodologies than you is really exciting. I hear that, man. I hear that, especially with working with the young writers, because in my day job as a news editor, uh, we just had a reporter move on to a new job, and he worked with us for like two whole years. It was a great time. I and I found that I was I was learning a lot just from watching him do what he does. So, and I've been doing this for like. 20 years now so like it doesn't really matter how long you've been in something you can always yeah. learn i think that next generation is the one to yeah, teach you sure. scott what would you say was some of like the big lessons you kind of took from this experience the biggest lesson honestly has been being flexible like letting sort of trusting other people to to take the story and you know let it go the way they think it, they um are gonna sort of uh, guide it and take a step back. I'm not very good at that, honestly. I mean, I'm I'm a pretty big, you know, obsessive when it comes to my own stuff. You know, I, I I'm proud of the fact that you know I, I really stand by. And you can ask Tyler, you know, uh, my assistant, or you know, most anyone I've worked with editorially. Um, I really feel as though I have not let an issue out the door in my career that I have solo written that I haven't tried hard, gone over like a few times to make sure that it's 
as good as I can make it. I'm sure I have failed at making it <laughs> good now and then, but I, I definitely don't ever let anything go. You know, I'm very, um, um, it's part of the flip side of being uh, neurotic, the, the benefit of it, I guess. But that said, um, here, one of the things that I really had to learn was, again, to sort of step back, trust their story instincts, him, uh, him and Valeria, and watch it develop and then just sort of see it for what it is and then guide it on those terms. And again, that's to me, the, the joy of teaching is not saying, hey, this is how I would do it. It's saying more like, I see what you are trying to do and let me help you try and make it more of that. Mm. And the great you know, thrill here was, was A, I already liked the way they were doing it, but kind of watching it and getting to read it as a fan and how little I actually had to do as it, as it went. So uh, it was also a relief, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that I think just, again, the, um, the really exciting lesson of, of being able to let go and see something wonderful come back. The more you, the more you sort of step away from it and let creators that are passionate about something make make that thing on their on their terms all right all right you know we definitely need to mention the rest of the team on the um on yeah. this project because yeah. uh, you mentioned mentioned uh, Valeria and I know that they're also credited as being another uh, co-creator for this series as well. You also got uh, yeah. Whitney uh, Koger. Sorry if I'm getting the names wrong. Apologies. Yeah, no, that's right. Whitney is amazing. Yeah. 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 And I saw that they've worked on Giant Days which is one of my favorite series yes. of all time. So when I saw that I was like, oh shit! Giant Mine Days! Too. I Mine love too. that series. Mine too. Yeah. Uh, Tom Napolitano on Letters. Tom's been with me all the way back from my DC days and he just evolves and evolves. And the art of lettering is just so apparent when he, he comes in just and not just in a aesthetic way, even, even in the way that he uses it to tell stories uh, visually, you know, like the, the placements, but also the font, everything he chooses is in service of story. He's great. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Lettering is not just typing onto a keyboard folks. It's a lot more complicated than that. Um, yeah. But I also uh, want to ask, like, with this uh, particular team, uh, Tom, uh, obviously familiar, but uh, but with uh, Valeria and Whitney, were they also like newcomers for you, or had you worked with them before? I'd never worked with any of them before, oh. um, except for Tom. Yeah. Yes, Tom and I go way back, but um, but Valeria and Whitney, uh, I, you know, what I what I found, and um, I was really excited that that Jack responded to this too, is that the more you sort of step out of the way of your co-creator or the artist on the book and allow them to make choices when it comes to the way they're colored, you know, who they're working with for ink, whatever that is, the the better the material comes back. And here, Whitney was somebody that um, Valeria was very interested in pursuing from, she was her first choice, uh, their first choice from the beginning. And so I, I you know, I, I saw what I thought Whitney's coloring was fantastic, but then when I saw it with Jack over Valeria's art, Valeria's art is very kinetic. It's very um, manga influenced. It has this really exuberant kind of young style. And yet the acting, the emotion, um, the world building, all that stuff is like stellar. And Whitney has this very painterly uh, and um, almost like uh, sort of cinematic way of coloring where it's, it has like light flares and a lot of a lot of kind of prismatic colors, and it just fits it. It gives it this three dimensionality, this buoyancy, this lightness. It's just great. Yeah, I I really just love like the overall energy of the scenes because there's always something happening. 
You know, I mean, yeah. it can be a very like normal, almost like mundane interaction, but but it all just co- just like comes to life. Did you have to give any real guidance on them for this one, or 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 did they just come back and like boom, nailed it? It was like definitely for like um, the characters and stuff like that. They came back like right away with sort of just such pretty much the spinning image of everything both me and my dad like imagined originally, but um, there was definitely like tweaking and stuff as always with just being like just small stuff being like making this like a different, if we, it was mostly based off what like we changed in the way that if we wanted to change the dialogue or something like this, maybe to just change like some of the way that like the emotion on some of the characters, but definitely it was like, I don't think we could have asked for really a better like, uh, result of what me and my dad worked through with our team. Mm-hmm. Like it was really just like we'd say something and they'd come back and like, wow, that's just like almost exactly like what what I imagined in my head. So it was just like a dream come true to yeah. get stuff back from them every time. Oh yeah. It's a great feeling. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's talk about the cast because we uh, because we mentioned them a couple times, and I absolutely loved the cast you have here. No one is really superfluous or just like cannon fodder for this thing. Where do the characters come from? Because I love like the diversity and variety that uh, that, uh, that you uh, you have here. Yeah, I'll let you answer. But let me say one thing just for anyone that hasn't picked up the book yet, just to give you sort of our our pitch about it. Like the fun of the book is it's about um, one day out of nowhere this strange kind of black and uh, oily patch sort of just pop, uh, pops up in the middle of Kansas, in the middle of nowhere. And it, one day, the first day, it's just kind of a foot, like a square foot in somebody's backyard. And then every day after that, it grows 20 miles in every direction. And anything it touches, it kills. It almost has like tendrils that come out and grabs grabs anything organic and it rots out any kind of material as well. So if it, it keeps moving, covering buildings, houses, everything, and everything it touches, it starts to rot out and it drags things into it. It clearly has some kind of life to it, um, but nobody knows if it's alien, if it came out of the earth, like, you know, just organically what it is. And the, and, uh, the story follows a bunch of kids that are growing up in a world about 10, 12 years after this has happened and this stuff has basically covered the entire earth. And so communities live above it in these things called needles. And in the very last days um, uh, here in this country before, because it started here, so it covered it relatively early. Um, it's called the shroud, the thing, the the black kind of necrotic blanket covering the earth. Um, but what what's discovered in the, the last days of this country before it kind of completely gets covered is that the shroud doesn't eat through diamond, that it's carbon-based, which was my his one of my favorite ideas of his, honestly. I don't remember when he told me it. But because the stuff is carbon-based, it doesn't eat through diamond, which is pure carbon. And so people rush to start manufacturing, which you can do. You can compress carbon and make diamond. But it's a process that's so expensive, nobody really does it in, in any kind of big way in the real world. But you can do it. And so in this, in this scenario, they, of course, start manufacturing sheets of everything they can do to try and create defenses. And the plan is to make this big lattice work of, of um, almost like uh, pillars that they can build highways over to, to, to uh, live above, suspended above the, um, the shroud, but people can't get along. And because of that, the whole thing kind of crumbles and all that's left are these diamond studs here and there, miles apart, sticking out of the shroud. And so people build these vertical communities called needles on them based with all the debris. And it's about a bunch of kids kind of growing up in this world, wondering if there's anything else 
out there, but this, if they'll ever have a way of kind of putting their feet on the ground and finding a home that isn't this, isn't this like really tenuous thing that could fall over at any minute. You know, I got to say for a post-apocalyptic scenario, that is one of the better ones I've heard, actually. I like this one. (laughs) Yeah, I I was like, thank you. It was either you got to write it with him or you bet you got to steal it from him, right? (laughs) Let's let's not do the latter, okay? Healthier dad response. Exactly. (laughs) But you asked about the characters, Sarah. I was just giving the context. Yeah, Yeah, go for it. Uh, definitely I'd say like, um, one of the main ways to, that we build our characters off of was different with Joe and Charlie in specific, I think, uh, different views of how I think people would react to the scenario. Cause obviously it's a very like crazy scenario to be in, but I think, uh, watching a lot of, and knowing a lot of scenario, like when everyone thinks of post-apocalyptic like stuff, it's like a zombie apocalypse or anything like that or anything. And you think of just how people, there's always one person who's hopeful and wants to find like the antidote or whatever. Yeah. And there's always one person who wants to sort of just like be like, this is what we got. Like we just sit here, like board up the door and everything and sit in our hut or whatever. So I think that with Joe and with his background, I think we built him off of an idea of he's known his whole life. Um, growing up fighting his whole life with his parents then dying and sort of his, the only thing he's known is that every time he tries to like get, every time he's seen someone try to give a little and try and push for a better world, it always like backfires on them. So building Joe as a character, I think um, we definitely aimed for sort of the protect what we have and kind of the bunker down and um, sort of like, this is the best we have and we need to protect this. And then with someone like Charlie, I think um, we definitely based her off of a more hopeful kind of like we need to survive and like humans ourselves, humans always like find a way to adapt and prosper, even in the most crazy scenarios so, and like believing in humanity and innovation and all of her inventions and everything like that. But I think that creating other characters too, like muscles and everything like that. Um, and anything like that is always just sort of what do you, I think basing yeah. it off of just sort of, um, or Canon or anyone is just sort of different views and different, also just kids too. Like, I think that, um, I should have said this earlier, but including just sort of the, um, like what it's like, not only is it hard to like, it's hard to be a kid in general, growing up in a regular, going through your teen years in a regular world. Like it's, there's tough stuff, but like, I can't even imagine what it would be like making a character, making a character who like has to go through this, not only at a time when you should be enjoying yourself and learning who you are, but also you have to fight for like, not only your life, like the lives of your friends and everyone, you know, and to survive. So I think that it's a combination of both sort of, how would a kid like how would what how would a kid and teenagers react to this in what way and how would pe- like the people they want to be and just humanity in general like how would it react to um the scenario they're thrown into yeah that's a great answer i mean i think i think also like for me a lot of the whenever i'm writing young characters the thing that i think of is is him and his friends and the world and his brother he's you know two younger brothers but but mostly him because he's right at the age that I remember being sort of most, you know, uh, curious, angry, hopeful, all of those kind of emotions are there as you're figuring yourself out and what your place in the world is. There's like a supercharged kind of sense of, of questioning everything and pushing against stuff as you're supposed to as a teenager. 
and the world that I feel like they're coming into is, is fraught, you know, it's a difficult one. I think about like a lot, he grew up, you know, and his brother with so much like anxiety and political division, you know, they, they've known two election cycles now that are just, you know, nonstop acrimony and, and, and people just hating each other. And on top of that, this, this sense of worry about decline, you know, those climate change, all of these kind of big, almost iceberg kind of worries that just sort of, you know, that we didn't have, we had other ones when I was growing up um, in the eighties, but there's more of this pervasive sense, I think right now of, of worry about the future, you know, and how, how much tougher it might be or is. And so one of the things that was really interesting is was watching him kind of bring characters to the table that really represented all of that kind of different kaleidoscopic um, set of views. Some of them, like he said, Joe, really do feel like it's better to just hold on to that small thing you have. And other ones like Charlie are like, that's just surviving. That's not like living. Let's go out and try something. Mm -hmm. And then other ones like Canon are really about friendship, really about like, the most important thing is for us to stay together and to 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 be you know um, be a family uh, and other ones like Hunter about protecting everything and it was wonderful and Valeria was really um, uh, was really vocal about um, their their uh, thoughts and feelings about uh, the characters and and the nuances of the characters they were incredibly uh incredibly helpful and con and contributed a ton and it was very important to them too i think as somebody because valeria is young as well i mean valeria is just you know i think i don't even know if they're 30 um and and i think a lot of it was this sense of creating a cast that also felt diverse and felt felt um really varied you know and felt like they would again sort of embody all these different viewpoints experiences and and all of it. So it was important to have characters that were from all different kinds of backgrounds, ethnicities, orientations, everything. I really loved uh, bo uh, both uh, Cannon's uh, hopefulness and Charlie's belief that yes, things can get better. We can have that better life. And 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 Joe, I I, I love the character, but part of me was like, come on, Joe, be like a little more hopeful, dude. You know, I mean, it's got to be like more than this. Can't just be like you know surviving like day to day. You got to like dream big here and. Yeah, I, especially like Charlie was just like, no, we are going to find this place wherever it is. And she goes to the process of building this kick-ass looking, looking uh, glider. And that kind of leads you to like how they kind of move around. I loved the, I'm not even sure what it is exactly, just some kind of like grappling mechanism to kind of go from like one needle to the other on these cables. Where did that one yeah. come from? Because that was so cool to watch. I think just thinking in general, like how would... I want to survive. Like mm -hmm. if I like definitely, I think actually one of the uh, ways that I came up with the idea for the whole story in general was I used to play with my brother uh, when I was a kid, a game like the floor is lava and everything like that. <laughs> oh yeah. Or, like Jump on the couch and stuff and chairs and not try to touch the floor, obviously. But um, I think that like if when I was a kid or anything like that, I would think of, I'd always think of sort of just like um, just flying or any type of way of like flying over like if, if there was something like if i could not touch the ground the first thing that comes to mind for me and probably most people but just like flying or just sort of anything like that so to come up with something like the sort of grapple design where not only is it like just like a zip line going across from villages but also where they can like freestyle within be kind of 
use it to their advantage to get around, I think comes from just the idea of like, not only the idea, it's just a theme of like the most free way that they can not only like, just not purely move, but express themselves too as characters. Yeah. yeah. Um, like there's diff- obviously they like differently, like Joe is like, it's just different ways that they express themselves, but um, just like the coolest sort of most teenage um, punk kind of like how I would want or how people like how I think I would want to get around if I was put in that scenario or anything like that, or just like the teenage attitude in general. So, and on a side note, it is really good to know that the floor is lava crosses uh, generations because because that was yeah. a game like yeah. when I was a kid. I imagine when you were a kid too, yeah. Scott. So good to know it survives. I grew up in the city and we called it Red Tag because the playgrounds had um, it back in the eighties. They had this like uniform red mm. foam, uh, like rubberized um, kind of matting yeah, beneath the mean. jungle gyms, and so it was Red Tag. You couldn't touch the red and ah. kids. Things to things, so yeah, it it is it, fun. Also, I think um, w- w- one of the you asked earlier, like what I've learned from it. It's interesting to think of that in the context of what he just said, because he's a. I, I'm a very when it comes to writing, I'm pretty ambitious. Like I have my I have my ego and my confidence, but in life, um, I'm a very reserved person. Like when it comes to taking risks, yeah, I, I'm I'm much more like joe about you know uh, like my wife and him are always the ones that are really fearless about let's try this let's let's you know let's buy a house (laughs) or let's you know he'll be like let's go zip lining let's do this and it's one because i'm i'm always like dragged along and then i love it but it's like i'm more like you know i'm i'm very conservative about um risk in life Uh, again in comics i'm the opposite i'm always like you know what I'm going for it with this Batman story. I'm just going to go out there and I don't care if everybody hates it. I love it, you know, and and I have a creative, like a creative ego that way, a creative sort of, um, yeah, like a daring in that regard, I hope. I mean, at least I try to, um, but in, yeah. So with this book, it's, it's again, been fascinating to watch him really take that leap and be out there and be like, you know what I think would be cool this and, and just watch someone go in there and him and Valeria together really make something that's such a singular creative vision and not be afraid, not be, um, or, you know, he doesn't show it at least, but not, not, you know, not worry about the the things that I worry about um, in life or that stuff and just go out there and, and uh, be really visionary with it. It's been a real joy. Now, of course, with the heroes, you got to have the villains. And, of course, the main villain in this one is um, uh, Charon, named after the ferryman for, uh, for the dead. And damn, does he look the part. This was a cool character because, I mean, villains, I feel like, you know, y- y- there's some good ones and some great ones. And I think it's all about, all about the look. And not only him, but his army, the, uh, the psychopomps, his kind of like right-hand psychopath, Ren, who just screams like crazy then cuts you in half. That's yeah. what that was when I first saw the first scene with the rat, I thought, okay, this is different. I'm liking it. Yeah. Can you tell me a bit about the creation process for, uh, for the villains? So I've always sort of, since I was a kid, been a villain person with always nice. just sort of buying, buying the figures and everything with Batman. I mean, I've always loved the Joker and Scarecrow and Bane and everyone are always my favorite. But, yeah, um, so picture. I'm not to interrupt you, but yeah. there's a pic. I have pictures of him from like 
Halloween circa it's like six, seven, eight, and all the kids are like unicorns and whatever. And then he starts Vader in the middle. <laughs> yeah, and nice. it's like I love my kid. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. But um sort of just with the creation of um Caron or any just this sort of feel for um anything like that, I think is and you you could probably, but um is just sort of with the idea of creating our own character, I think I wanted to represent sort of mirror the shroud in a way with sort of showing that in it's always sort of a common theme with apocalyptic stories that like you know humans are always like is are humans worse than like what is going on in the world like do are do humans become like evil and i wanted to show that someone like uh caron who's been sort of tossed out by humanity and sort of originally was um sort of like part of that kind of community and everything like that just tossed out and sort of turned into this evil sort of mirror of the shroud in the way that he's sort of the human version and his crew and um sort of the human version of like the shroud where it's like he um just sort of takes and shows people that like um like this is how it's meant to be and sort of like the the shroud isn't like it's not some awful it's just life like it's just how it happens and he's also doing the job that the shroud does normally with his crew and everything like that. So do you have anything? That that's, that's a great answer. Yeah, yeah. The, um, I think the thing that I was most excited about was when he came up with the idea and then Valeria really built on it too, that there was a psychology and a, um, a kind of ideology behind Karen and also Ren, like his, his kind of first mate, his first in command. And that first they came up with the idea that, um, Karen would be somebody who, like he said, was sort of tossed out by um, the people that uh, are privileged in this world. And again, like not to give too much away, but one of the big plot points of the story is that there's a myth that the very wealthy and the powerful kind of hoarded all of this diamond for themselves that was being manufactured very quickly in the fall of civilization and built some crystal city somewhere. And nobody knows if it exists, if it if it is out there somewhere, because they can't really travel very far off of these needles. Um, but what you start to learn is that Karen was a part of that plan and had almost a utopian vision. He was one of the people really involved in the building of this um, this this whole infrastructure on the diamond um, studs that fell apart. And uh, he was betrayed by those people that he worked for and tossed out. And so there's this incredible richness and tragic, uh, tragic quality to him that makes him sympathetic, as horrible as he is, where he feels as though in some ways he was meant to be and he wanted to be part of this grand collective solution. And instead, what it taught him, this experience of being um, not just sort of betrayed, but really like, you know, uh, almost crushed by all of it, um, was that it's better to just be a predator and to worship the thing that you were trying to fight against before, because maybe it is God. And so he and his, uh, his followers dress like things that feed on the dead. So they dress like they have totems that are like beetles and vultures, scavengers, you know, hyenas, these things. So they love the dead. And it's why he calls himself Karen, the ferryman of the river sticks. And his um, first mate is this woman, Ren, you know, the wren for queen, but also for the bird, um, because the wren uh, has the, it's one of the most deadly uh, 
a birds of prey uh, in the world. And it has, she, Valeria designed her look based on that too, with these uh, almost uh, d- this very spiky feathers that can retract and come in and these diamonds scythes that look like wings on the back and fantastic design. Uh, and, and for anyone out there, Ren is sort of the, the cosplay uh, character in our, in our series where they touch the shroud very early and it burned off all the skin up through the, her face. And so she has a, a diamond mask that stopped it from doing that. And she, once they stopped it and cut the skin off, they say she cut her own skin off. She put this sort of diamond mask in place to stop the, uh, any further infection and rotting. So she's got this almost diamond skull mask over this really ruined face. And she's beautiful and graceful and horrible and terrifying and all those things at once. So <laughs> again, the point is simply that, um, watching the characters go from just being scary villains uh, in their hands to being multifaceted, um, really compelling characters was amazing. Yeah, I'll bet. I'll bet. You know, you mentioned uh, cosplay. I would, I would challenge the listeners. I would love to see someone cosplay the entire cast at a future (laughs) Comic-Con. I challenge you guys out there, make these costumes, make it happen. It's going to look awesome. Um, yeah, I can't wait it, because the fourth one comes out, like you said, in, in March. And then we have the print comes out in the fall, too. So we're excited from Dark Horse. I don't know if they maybe they might not have announced that yet. <laughs> well, we have now. <laughs> yeah, I'll be really excited to see it in print for everybody out there, oh, too. Oh, so. that, that is so cool. I'm Count me in for <clears> eight, <throat> man. I'll buy eight copies. Just... <laughs> Because no, like, well, like when it comes to comics, especially these days where you can get so much of it online, you know, the stuff that I buy that goes on my shelf is the stuff that I really, really enjoy. Because like I ask myself, what happens if this suddenly vanishes? Well, I wouldn't like that. So buy a copy. So is this series a one-off or is there a possibility of a sequel or a spin-off or something like that? No, we're going to, we're planning on a sequel. I'm actually tomorrow morning, <laughs> we're talking to Comixology. Like I'm talking to them about this, an amendment to sort of give us more seasons for it. So, and Valeria is up for it. Um, they're excited. So no, we're, we're, we're definitely going to continue the story. We're really excited. I am so glad to hear that because knowing that this ends with just like the four issues, the uh, the four issues, I thought, okay, there's so much more that we could do here. I want to see like the rest of the world, what it all looks like. I would love to see more backstory about like how it all falls apart and so forth. Cause the thing with apocalypse is you like to know where they all come from, how, how they originate and what course, happens. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. We got big plans. It'll be fun. For sure. You'll see. Yeah. I'm very excited about that. Um, so Jack, you know, just a, a few more questions. Where do you go from here? Like, what's your what's your plan for like future projects? Do you think you might want to jump more into the comics world? That's a good question. Um, I've always my dream has been just like not hundred um, percent, just always something to do with writing. And um, I'm not hundred percent sure myself like where I want to direct myself with that yet. But I definitely know that I want to write and put more stuff out in the world. So if that means falling in my dad's exactly what my dad did and going to any type of DC Marvel and writing comics. Like I'd be so happy and grateful to do that. Or if it means writing in a newspaper, anything or like any form of writing, I'm so like, just so into the idea of putting more and more work out into the world of my own and just creating sort of more and more. And even like just for everything, just being able to 
get stuff back and being able to have something out there as myself. So um, I definitely say I want to keep what uh, keep it going with the um, putting stuff out in the world and writing. So uh, yeah, that's definitely definitely what I plan to do. Try everything. That that'd be my advice. Yeah. Try everything. Try journalism. Try comics. Try novels. Whatever you want to do, but try it all and yeah. get that taste of all these different aspects because there's so many ways you could go. There's so many directions, yeah, you know? Sure. Um, yeah. There's so much more interconnection and overlap these days too, than there used to be. So mm-hmm. I, t- I tell him like whatever, he, whatever he wants to do, as long as it's not like, I don't want to, I was like the only jobs I can think that I was like, don't be an ultimate fighter. Don't like things. I just don't want to watch happen. You know, like I want to see you be hurt, but I mean, anything, I'm sure anything he wanted to do, he'd be great at. So it's, it's just fun to get to cheer him on. Exactly, exactly. Uh, Jack, is there one particular title you would just like love to work on? Any like favorites that you you want you like to see your name attached to? Um, I mean, the general answer is just Batman, of course. Yeah. Just because <laughs> of course, I love just, I love, um, just Batman as a whole, just that character. But um, I'd love to work in any type of superhero or pop fiction any i watch and consume so much about everything i've always been into star wars and everything like that i love reading um my my dad's yeah, close friend yeah. i have always loved manga um naruto demon slayer i've always loved those i have a huge death note fan that's always been one of my favorites um but just being able to like i'm totally i'm not someone who's like i i love the idea of um putting like putting my own touches and stuff, putting stuff out in the world. But I also love the idea of being able to hop on something that's been going or being able to put my version like my dad did with Batman or anything that he's done. And just being able to put my version on something and being able to be, I did this version of this person or this character. So um, I would definitely love to work on any type of superhero or like any of the pop, like pop culture characters that I love myself, but um really just being able to put my own name and like touches on stuff. I just love that general category. So nice, nice. And Scott, I, I would be remiss if, if I did, if I did not ask about what is next for you, sir. Yeah, sure. Well, I'm excited. I was going to say, I should come back and talk about some of it coming out. I got like (laughs) coming out from distillery. I didn't even, I wasn't trying to like, uh, advertise, but um, the shirt's super comfortable. <laughs> I have one too. It is yeah. very. I have one too. <laughs> he is also. He loves. Uh, what's really nice James. is James. I have the tiny onion one. I wear yeah. it all the time. I love that shirt so much. <laughs> James is. Yeah, it's again like James was my like my first student actually. When I think about it, my first like comic. It's the first time I ever taught comics. Is fifteen years ago. James was an undergraduate, and I was like an adjunct teacher. So. It's very funny to have like your students now become people you learn from mm-hmm. in all kinds of ways and your kids. Um, but uh, so I have White Boat coming out from Distillery um, in April with Francesco Francavia, who I love to death and, you know, was with me on Black Mirror and and uh, Night of the Ghoul and a bunch of other sort of small projects along the way. It's a big seafaring horror story. It's sort of like my take with him or our take on the island of Dr. Moreau, which uh, is a story I just adore, um, but it's really flipped on its head in a way. So it continues kind of our partnership around horror. Um, and then I have a couple things that I, I are going to be big news to announce, like when we do, but I, I 
can't say anything about him yet, but it, you know, I, I have been kind of dabbling in the idea of doing some superhero stuff. So I know there's rumors and all that stuff, but I, I just want to keep my head down until it's all really ready. But I'm very, very proud of it. Very excited for it'll. We'll probably talk more about it. I would think, and I can't imagine we'll wait more than like you know a couple more months because yeah, it's getting it's getting good and very good collaborators, and I'm I'm really excited. So yeah, I'm. I think for me, and then I'll stop. It's like, you know, I worked at DC for ten years, and almost every year I really fought hard when I got resigned my exclusive for a carve out to be able to write my own series, and then I would get it after these like tooth and nail battles with them, and then I never used them. Uh, I only once in a blue moon I wrote witches, and outside of that, I I barely wrote anything post, you know, twenty thirteen that was indie. And when I finished at DC, I really decided I just want to take a break and do every idea I've ever had and push myself to try genres, work with people I've never worked with. And Comixology and Dark Horse and um, IDW and Image, they were all fantastic partners for that, from getting to do everything from like action horror, like ongoings like Noctera to miniseries that are historical fiction like Barnstormers. Um, and after that whole kind of big creative walkabout and getting to try all these things I've always wanted to, I really feel like it's time to kind of come home to a couple things mm. and just work on a couple big ongoing series in a way, a couple big, couple big um, projects. So we'll have some stuff at Distillery, have a couple of things that I can't, I can't talk about yet. And then uh, really, really, uh, yeah, go big, right? I feel like... It'll be a big year. I'll tell you that. Like, I definitely have big announcement stuff coming. All right. All right. Okay, folks. Well, we are bringing this conversation to a close. Uh, Scott, Jack, thank you both so much for joining me. And, folks, if you're not already doing it, check out By a Thread. We're three issues in, just one more to go, and many more stories to come. You get the whole thing through Comixology. And, uh, and uh, gentlemen, I'm sure we'll be talking again very soon. But before we go, of course, Give us the details on where to find your work. Where do they go for this? Yeah, sure. Well, this series is out right now digitally on Comixology. Yeah, so if you have a Prime membership or you have a Comixology Unlimited membership, but a lot of people don't know. If you just have Prime, you get all the comics that I've done over there or worked with other people on for free. Um, so you can go browse it now and uh, a lot of other things that are – uh, out by fantastic creators, past and present, that they have in their unlimited um, uh, and originals libraries. Uh, and then it'll be out in the fall from Dark Horse in print. Um, so we're really excited about that yeah. as well. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you both once again. I am absolutely loving the comic, and I'm sure we'll, uh, we'll be talking again very soon for the next project. Okay. Thank you yeah. so much for having us. Thanks, Max. It's great talking Thanks, to you. Max. And with that, we bring this episode to a close. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't already, check us out on Facebook under Citywide Blackout and Twitter and Instagram under Citywide Max. You can catch this and all your favorite episodes on your favorite podcast platform. And new episodes are added every week, as well as on Boston Free Radio every Saturday at 10 p.m. You get at me at citywidemax at yahoo.com if you want to suggest a guest, submit your music, or just drop us a line. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you next time.